0: Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey,
1: does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee?
0: It's sports betting
2: for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season.
0: Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to
1: go. I think they're gonna have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed.
0: And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always
1: said is the most important thing? Breakfast. Family. I thought you meant the things you need. Bed and Breakfast is live on a Monday. Happy New Year to everybody. The Monday crew is back. Ben Heisler with my guys, Peter Dewey and Reed Wallet. Peter, I, I feel like this is. You know, an ongoing process for you after filling in on Thursday. Reed, welcome back. Uh, for everybody that's on and joining us on the chat, make sure you guys comment on uh, on Reed's nice tan from Florida. He, he wanted to make sure that uh, all of us on our morning meeting uh, was uh, fully engaged in the, in the sunshine, and and we're all very jealous of you, Reed. The fact that you were able to get out a little bit and enjoy some of that Florida sun. So, congrats to you. Oh,
0: thank you, and a happy new year to everyone. Prosperous and profitable twenty twenty two ahead. Let's get after it.
1: I like that a lot. For today's show, of course, if you joined us on a Monday before, you know that we like to go over our early leans, For the week, week 18 is going to be a bit chaotic. Still waiting on official lines to come out for the week 18 schedule, but we wanted to take an opportunity to go through some of the matchups that certainly have caught our eye. Perhaps when the lines come out, you'll be able to jump on board and take advantage. We'll also go over our best bets of Monday night as well. Got a Monday night game between the Steelers and the Browns with some notable line movement. We'll talk about that shortly as well. Uh, Plus, Peter, I know, has a typical NBA play. And Reed, of course, looking on the college side. So we got all of that coming up on the course of today's show. Uh, but I, I think we kind of have to start right at the top with everything going on with the NFL schedule, guys. Um, I, I think especially, we were talking about it before we came on, the, the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday really took advantage of an opportunity where the Kansas City Chiefs kind of gifted them a game. And certainly officiating played a role down the stretch, but... You know, the the Chiefs were that team that nobody wanted to face, that nobody could be able to beat down the stretch. And and now you're starting to see some of those vulnerabilities come up again. Are are we looking at the Chiefs maybe a a tad bit differently heading into the postseason than perhaps we were maybe the you know from a week or two ago when they felt they were completely invincible?
2: I'm gonna say no, Ben. I think they're fine. I think almost this might be a good thing that they got this loss almost out of the way I think it would have been tough if they had won it would have been, would have been like a 10 straight going into the to the postseason I don't know if they would have um, loved to be on that kind of stretch and then you also I, I think like their offense looked good I think the concerns we had with the Chiefs at the beginning of the year is the offense didn't look as explosive as it used to be and the defense was horrible the defense was bad yesterday, but they clearly had a game plan, which was to dare Joe Burrow to beat them over the top and to the sidelines, and he just made every single throw. And Jamar Chase is unbelievable. I wish they had adjusted if if I was a Chiefs fan down, down the stretch and be like, hey, we're not going to let this guy beat us. But they clearly stuck to a game plan, and the Bengals just beat them on that game plan. I don't think this this really is is that bad of a loss. The Cincinnati team is pretty good. I'm, I think the Chiefs will be fine going into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I like that take that kind of get this loss out of the way. I mean, we saw Georgia, they lost the SEC championship game and came into the Orange Bowl and absolutely boat raced Michigan. So, you know, is is this like a get-it-out-of-your-system type loss? I don't think that there's a sweeping kind of take from the Bengals win over the Chiefs. Bengals were at home. They wanted to win the division. And like Peter said, this um, putting Jamar, basically going one-on-one with Jamar Chase and putting him on an island, it didn't work. There are other ways for the Chiefs to defend the Bengals if they were to meet again in the playoffs. The Chiefs pass rush still looked really good, in my opinion. Chris Jones was wreaking havoc um, in the middle of that Cincinnati offensive line. So I don't think this is anything. But what I do think is important now is this really opens the door for Tennessee to host an AFC championship game. And they beat Kansas City earlier this year. Is that going to happen again come late January? I don't know. But I do think that this is kind of that big takeaway. It's not even a Bengals or a Chiefs thing. It is more – now Tennessee really has. They have to beat Houston on the road next week, and then they host the AFC Championship game. So if they get Derrick Henry back, is Tennessee now? I know Ian McMillan likes to call them frauds, but are they now live to maybe make a run in the AFC? They you know, they have, I believe I saw, they'd be in the most teams in the NFL over 500. So I'm really interested to see what happens to Tennessee in the postseason now.
1: You know what's interesting about the Titans is that I, I think we were all sort of looking at Derrick Henry as this magic potion. If they get him back, then obviously the whole – aspect of that team feels a little bit differently for as dominant as they might have started to look now uh, because now they're now they're getting the running game going with Deontay Foreman and and that's Mm -hmm. not something that we anticipated a couple weeks ago. I kind of look at Tennessee in in sort of two different ways, and I'm curious to get your guys' perspective on it. One is they were dangerous all along, but we just were sort of thinking about it from a different perspective uh, because we all thought it was just about Derrick Henry. Now that they actually have other guys that are getting involved in the running game, maybe they're even more dangerous. Or two, they still play in the AFC South. They Mm -hmm. still had those early wins over the Colts. Like To me, getting a win over Indianapolis later in the season without Derrick Henry I I think would have stood more for me. But now, I mean, a lot of the games that they had played, they were beating up on inferior competition. They were kind of just hanging around. I I don't know if I'm necessarily on board for a team like Tennessee down the stretch in a very easy and winnable division just because they have the number one seed. I, I feel like this is one of those moments where the record could be a tad bit deceiving.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that point too, a little bit. I think they're they're you're right. At the beginning of the year, they played nobody at points, and they won games. But they, they also lost to the Jets. Like they they yeah. had some fraudulent tendencies at the beginning of the year. The thing I think we all forgot when Derrick Henry got hurt, Julio Jones got hurt, and AJ Brown got banged up in like multiple games, and then he went on IR. So yep. it wasn't like. It, the, the big move was, all oh, they lost Derrick Henry. They lost their three best offensive weapons like in spurts over those few weeks that they lost a bunch of games. Now A.J. Brown is back. They didn't even have Julio Jones this past week, and they dismantled the Dolphins, um, who were frauds in of themselves. So that's a story <laughs> for another day. Um, but I, I think if they get this entire offense healthy, I don't think they're the best team in the AFC, but I think they're a lot better than maybe some people have given them credit for this entire season. And look, they, they have home field, they, I,
0: assuming they hold, um, they hold serve against Houston this weekend. I'm just saying, I think that more than the Chiefs losing or the Bengals winning, I think that the door opening for the Titans now to have um, the AFC run through their home turf, that's the most important thing that came from this weekend, especially in the AFC playoff picture. I think the NFC is much more wide open. There's a lot more kind of compelling
1: things going on there. I don't even think that it's about home field advantage. I think it's about the bye. You now have an extra week for for Derrick Henry to get healthy and not have to worry about any other injuries to the rest of your offense that's been so inconsistent and hurt throughout the course of the year. Imagine having a a bye week now for Julio to to possibly be healthy Mm -hmm. or for A.J. Brown, and, and then there's Derrick Henry and the rest of the offensive line. To me, I, I think it's lessened, and we've seen this over the course of this year, and I'll, I'll see if I can find some of those stats, but teams have been really good on the road in the NFL this year. They've been really good, especially at covering the number. But if, I know we're talking about you know single-game elimination mm-hmm. here. The, the Titans, to me, seem like the kind of team that it doesn't really matter whether they're home or away. They can pound you inside with the running game open it up with play action. And then as long as they're getting pressure on the quarterback, which they've done a really good job of this year compared to in years past, I think the Titans are a team that it really doesn't matter if they're playing at Arrowhead or if they're playing in at Nissan field or whatever it's called in, in Tennessee. I, I just think it's about timing to get these guys back. And Kansas city blew an opportunity yesterday, flat yeah, out. I, I know that the, I know the refs played a role, but you have to put a team like Cincinnati away early, and they never did. They took their foot off the gas and they started to get that feeling of, of how they were in the early portion of the season, where they just expected to blow teams out and not worry about the inconsistencies in their in their secondary. So that didn't happen. I want to get your guys' perspective too on on Week 18 because the schedule is set. Like I said, we're we're still waiting for a lot of these official lines to come out uh, over at WinBet, and once we do, we'll have them for you over at Bedside. But I'm curious from from the schedule how it all plays out, if there's a matchup or two that once the Lions comes out, you're going to be attacking, or if that's the singular focus for you guys over the course of this week. So, uh, Peter, I want, I want to kick things off with you. I, I think it's the, the sort of obvious choice between the Chargers and the Raiders, but, but what really stands out to you in that particular matchup? Frankly, the fact that the Raiders are still somehow involved in the playoff mix when I kept thinking they'd be eliminated over and over and over again uh, is a, almost a bit of a testament to them.
2: Yeah. Give the Raiders some credit, man. Derek Carr, that team, interim head coach, like they have no business being in this spot. And the fact that they are, and they upset the Colts yesterday. I like props to them for getting to this point. This is this game. I love this game because it's winner go home. I, I'm very intrigued to see where the line is going to be. Whoever wins is in, whoever loses is out of the playoffs. Going to be very interesting matchup because of that. But I think in this game, I'm intrigued because it's in Las Vegas. I think the Chargers are going to open as dogs purely because of that. I kind of like the Chargers in this spot. I feel like they just have to. Like Justin Herbert is the better quarterback between him and Derek Carr. They have the better roster. I think the Raiders might be able to run the ball on the Chargers, but the Chargers held the Broncos run game in check yesterday. So kind of intrigued to see how that goes. But I feel like the Chargers, they squandered an opportunity against the Texans. I feel like this is their chance for redemption. And the Raiders, as great as they've been down the stretch, I, I just don't know if they can win another game to get in. It, it's been an impressive ride, but I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where this line
1: is. I mean, every time we keep talking about the Chargers being in a situation where they should come out and win, you have a situation like the Texans game where they somehow inexplicably – Uh, give up 40 plus points to the Houston Texans. They took care of business yesterday against your Broncos. So credit to them in that compartment, but it's going to be, I think a closer game than most people anticipate the better quarterback should theoretically win this game. Uh, So I'm going to be very curious. My guess is that we'll see a line. I don't know. I I haven't seen a consensus at other books, but it feels like maybe chargers three and a half would make sense to me.
0: Yeah. um, Also the only difference though, with the Broncos was, you know Drew Lock at quarterback and Brett Rippey in for a little bit too. You, you could just load the box and shut down Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. I think the Raiders that's going to be a really really loud home crowd. I'm my first lean is towards Vegas just with the points cuz like can we trust the, it's Chargers, still the Chargers, Chargers in a big right. game? It, it's still mm-hmm. the Chargers and we have seen this team in big spots um squander opportunities just 2 weeks ago against the Texans. So my first lean is to Vegas but Again, we gotta see an official line from Wimbed and then, you know, move from there. But I don't know. In Vegas, I feel like that's gonna be a really rowdy crowd.
1: Tell me about how you're looking at the uh, the Week 18 slate. Read. I, I figure based on everything we've talked about in the NFC, that's probably where your eyes are, are going in here.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested. There's only a few kind of, um, I guess, wins by teams that should win. I guess favorite teams that are favored, and then you're setting up a. Tampa Bay-New Orleans wild card round, and an Arizona-Dallas wild card round, which we just saw Arizona beat Dallas last uh, yesterday. And then we also have New Orleans, who is 4-0 in the past two seasons against Tom Brady. Of course, Brady won the playoff game last year, but he wasn't, you know, as dominant. So New Orleans has Tampa Bay's number. Tampa Bay's all banged up. Um, the Antonio Brown uh, situation, we'll call it. Um, so I'm interested to see how these teams really kind of handle – these wild um, these week 18 matchups will Dallas actually sit their starters next week in with the chance of maybe facing Arizona again next week in um, the wild card round. I think it's all setting up for really interesting typical big favorites. How will they handle the workload? Will Brady even start against Carolina and what is technically a meaningless game? It's just for jockeying for a position. So, you know, with green Bay wrapping up the one seed, I'm really interested to see how likely division winners are going to handle their starters. The Rams, they need to win to lock up the NFC West. But at the same time, the Niners lose. They're probably out of the playoffs because New Orleans is facing Atlanta, and they're already looking as road favorites against Atlanta, who's out of the playoffs. So there's a lot of moving parts in the NFC, and I'm just interested to see how it plays out. And it's going to generate betting value, I think, as the week plays out.
1: I, I think so, too. I, I think that's really sort of the quintessential part of it. And you mentioned Man. the the Rams in the 49ers game that that's where my head is at. And I go back to a, a trend that we've talked about numerous times on this show. And that's Kyle Shanahan as a as an underdog. Uh, in that spot, since he took over in 2017, the 49ers are 24 and 17, no against the spreads, covering right around 58.5% of the time. Just for whatever reason, he's not good in situations where he's the favorite. Much prefer to bet on a Kyle Shanahan team in spots like this. As a favorite, the 49ers are 16-25-1, covering. 39%. So all of a sudden, uh, when the, when their backs are against the wall, it, it just seems like it's an ideal spot to go ahead and jump on board. And it, it, listen, the Rams make things interesting. Uh, we have seen that time and time again. And, uh, this is one of those battles that I think you're going to see maybe a last second field goal, uh, probably come down to the wire. I think, uh, consensus right now is, uh, maybe around four and a half or five points in favor of the Rams at home. We'll see what Winbet ultimately decides once they release those odds. But my my first instinct here, especially if it's past anything around four or four and a half, would be to jump on the 49ers side. Like you said, they need this game just as much as the Rams need it from a position of seeding, So I, I think in that situation, you got to go ahead and, and jump on the 49ers uh, while it's certainly early on. All right, let's dive into uh, best bets for Monday. We are all looking at different games and different sports across the slate. Got a little bit of NBA from Peter, some college basketball from Reed, and I'm looking at the Monday night football game tonight, the final Monday night game. Actually, I take that back. There's a Monday night game for the wildcard round. So the final regular season Monday night game and Big Ben's final game likely in the regular season for Pittsburgh. So, Reid, I'm going to kick things off with you when it comes to best bets for the night. You're looking college basketball. You're looking Big Ten. Tell me what you got.
0: Yeah, I'm betting Iowa minus eight against Maryland. I make this one about eight and a half. I got seven and a half last night. Eight still a play for me. And this is Maryland's first true road game of the season. And they're going to Iowa, which – um, head coach Rand McCaffrey, he's crushed in this spot 94 59 and five against the spread at home in Big Ten play under McCaffrey. That's since 2010, 73 48 and four as home favorites. So, big shout out to Casey Halpern from the Action Network for helping out. Good friend of mine. Um, on, on the court, Maryland nearly t- outside the top 300 in turnover rate. I was the best at protecting the ball, so Maryland's not going to stop this Iowa offense that's top five per Ken Palm and offensive um, efficiency. So I was going to put up whatever number they want, probably push 80, 90 points. Maryland's not going to be able to keep
2: up. I think they won this one by double digits.
1: Peter, you're in the NBA, of course. Tell me what you're looking at tonight
2: yeah i'm looking at the atlanta hawks it's now minus six against the blazers uh it it started at minus four this morning moved to minus five moved to minus six that's because damian lillard cj mccollum and yusuf nurkic all are not gonna play for the blazers so basically the blazers are trotting out a very uh skeptical makeshift type of team we're gonna see tonight and the hawks have a lot of guys in the COVID protocols as well but they do have quinn capella and Trey Young, which is obviously super important. I think Kevin Herter is also going to be in the lineup for the Hawks. But the reason I really like this is the Blazers, they are horrible without Dame this year. They're 1-5 in five in the six games he's missed. Obviously, this is going to be the seventh game he missed this season. And they're playing the worst defense. They have the worst defensive rating in the NBA. The Hawks have the third best offensive rating in the NBA. I don't think without their top three offensive players, the Blazers are going to be able to keep up with Trey Young in this game um the hawks have not been great against the spread this year but they're playing a blazers team that has been also very bad against the spread this year so i think we're gonna get it kind of get something's got to give at this point i'll back the hawks because they just have more guys available tonight
1: the the blazers are in a downward spiral and i thought this is going to be a team that would have some better defense this year with chauncey billups coming in and, and taking over uh, for Terry Stotts has not been the case. They've been a disaster away from home. Uh, and as a Bulls fan, I, I have some interest in, in this Blazers team as well because the Bulls have their, their first-round pick, but it's top, uh, I think, 13 or 14 protected. Uh, so the more they continue to lose, the less likely the Bulls have a chance to, to regain a first-round pick. I figure Portland might sneak into the playoff race. It doesn't look like that's going to be the that's case. That's from the Derek Jones
0: trade, right? That whole yes. big yeah. marketing trade.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, that's when everything came through. Although in my head, I'm thinking, God, you know, you would know have been really nice, especially with Patrick Williams going down. Larry Nance is a bull. Would have been a really yeah. nice. <laughs> What can you do? Um, they need a draft capital and they needed it bad. Um, as for, for me, guys, I'm going back to the Monday night game. Uh, we talked about this at the beginning of the week, how I was on board. Uh, and Peter, you and I both wrote about the Steelers on the money line as, as two of our favorite upset picks. The line has actually shifted drastically. Uh, and you can go over to Betside to read a little bit more about this a little bit later on today. We've seen this line move from Steelers plus three to Steelers minus two over at WinBet. We've also seen the total move up about a point and a half as well. Uh, It does feel like the narrative is setting up really well for Big Ben. Initially, I thought this was a bit of a trap because going into Sunday, I don't know if you guys remember this, the line for this game, the odds makers were daring you to take Pittsburgh. It was plus three, but it was plus 100 odds on the Cleveland side. It was minus three, minus 120. So they knew something was up as far as the Cleveland running game was concerned. Pittsburgh had been dead last in stopping the run over the last three weeks of the season, giving up about 160 points per game or 160 rushing yards per game. Um, They're still going to give up plenty. Uh, but Cleveland could be you know, sitting some guys tonight. Also, when we're talking about opportunities for for trends to follow, Mike Tomlin in his career as a home dog, as head coach of the Steelers, is 14-3-2 against the spread. Also, in this very situation in 2021, he's 2-0 straight up in 12 and 7 straight up as a home dog lifetime. So, you factor in that plus Big Ben has never lost to the Browns at Heinz Field. In fact, he's never lost to the Browns over the course of his career at home. And Kevin Stefanski 1 and 9 against the spread against the AFC North. Uh, everything just setting up right now for the Steelers. I would probably bet this line up to 3. And there you have it, guys. Those are our best bets for Monday. That is, of course, our show. We'll have plenty more coverage over the course of the week here over at BetSided. So for my guys, Peter and Reed, I am Ben. Happy New Year to all of you. May all of your bets hit on this Monday night. And we will talk to you guys on Thursday. Until then, so long for now.